right, so here we are in Genesis chapter 37, and this is a very well-known story about Joseph. And Joseph, a lot of the you know next weeks are going to be about him. And Joseph is a very interesting character. He's somebody that the Bible talks a lot about, and I just can't find anything negative about Joseph in the Bible. And I think that's interesting because I do think that Joseph is a great representation of Jesus. And what's interesting about a lot of these stories in the Old Testament, we've seen this in some of the past stories we've looked at, we're going to see it again tonight, is that a lot of these stories, it like gives us a lot of facts about certain things. And we're going to see that in this story where it, it kind of leaves you wondering certain things. It kind of leaves a lot of questions. But the thing is, when you look at the facts that are laid out and are given, it makes it really clear that I think that there's more to this story than just a story. I think we're seeing something prophetic here that God knew was going to happen. And so uh, let's go. we're going to go through it, and we're just going to look at the story, but then we're going to kind of go back and look at basically another story that is told in this story of Joseph that I think is very interesting. So verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt in the land, wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock of his, with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto their father their evil report. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us you know, what that report was. It doesn't tell us what he says. It just said that Joseph was there with them, and he brought their father an evil report. Now, Jacob's sons, probably one of the reasons they hated him, is they probably thought of him as a tattletale. Because... Here they are being wicked like we see him doing all the time. And Joseph being righteous, he doesn't participate in the wickedness. And what does he do? He tells his father about it. And of course, you know, that makes bad people mad. Okay. It makes, you know, siblings mad. Okay. You know, if any of your kids, when they got tattled on by a brother or sister, went and thanked their brother or sister later, has that ever happened with any kids? Okay. Hey, it doesn't happen with adults when they get tattled on either. You know, you know, Brother Brian, what would you do if Elijah tattled on your son, Carter, and then Carter just, you saw him go to Elijah, and he just said, Elijah, I appreciate you telling Mom and Dad about what I did. I was wrong. I was out of line. And I needed that punishment. <laughs> Can you imagine if your kid if your kid did something like that? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd do something you know, spectacular for him, you know. But kids don't do that. You know, you know what they do? They give him a dirty look. Like, I'm going to get you. you know, I'm going to get vengeance on you. All right? Anybody have siblings or have kids, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? That's just life. It's the way it is. It's always been that way. And so that's one of the reasons Joseph's brothers hated him. You know, they probably saw him as a tattletale. But the truth is, it could have been, because, you know, there's always two ways you can spin everything, okay? If somebody tells on us, we can call him a tattletale. But, you know... We could also say maybe Joseph just was loyal to his father. And he's thinking, my brothers are supposed to be doing this work for my father. He would not be pleased with this. This is not what he asked of them. This is not what he wants. I need to do the right thing and tell him. He might, you know, based on how we see Joseph act throughout the Bible, I think he did it in the integrity of his heart. I don't think he got any pleasure in getting his brothers in trouble, but I'm sure that's how they spun it. There's always a way you can spin what anybody does. So this, uh, this loyalty in Joseph's brother's mind, though, very well could have been, because this is what you know, evil people do. If they see you do something good, then they come up with 
evil intentions because evil people need you to be evil too. And so what they could have done is they could have decided, well, you know, Joseph's loyal to his father because of all that his father has done for Joseph, because we do see that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. And we often slam Jacob for that. And you know what? I don't think you ought to have favorites with your kids. I think that's a bad thing. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 40, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, if you have kids, how many of your kids often get mad when they feel like you are favoring one kid over the other? And, you know, I, I think you ought to at least make an honest effort to be fair. You know, don't go spend $200 on one kid's birthday and 100 on the other one. You know, they're going to, you know, you might be able to get away with it when they're little, but eventually they're going to figure it out and say, wait a minute, what's going on here? So, you know, and, but, you know, obviously I, I've known some people, I, I talked to somebody one time, they had a family member that with their grandkids, they made sure like down to the cent to not spend any more on one than the other. And, you know, you know, I don't think you need to go that crazy, but, you know, you should make an effort because you don't want to send a message, a bad message to your kids. Okay. And so Joseph, uh, with Jacob, you know, he often gets a bad rap for this. And, you know, he probably was wrong. He probably picked this up from his father, who was the same way, who had a favorite son, and his mother, who had a favorite son. And, uh, but at the same time, though, you know, he could have had just a better relationship with Joseph because Joseph was such a good son. You got Reuben that laid with his, con you know, his concubine. You got Simeon and Levi that made them to stink in the eyes of the people in that land because of all they had done. You know, Judah hasn't committed his sin yet, but I mean, these guys are clearly really bad. I mean, they, they, in this story, they sell their brother. These are not good guys, but then you got Joseph. He's a wonderful, godly man. And so it's pretty natural that Jacob's like, man, at least I got one son that's not giving me any trouble. So, you know, we can pile on Jacob all we want, but there might have been some good reasons for that. And so, you know, let's not be too hard on him, especially, too, when I'm going to show you what I believe this represents. But, but either way, the Bible doesn't go into all the details about why Joseph, or Jacob loved Joseph more. We assume by reading between the lines. And so it says in verse 3, Now Joseph, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. I thought I might get a son in my old age with this last baby, but it's another daughter. So uh, I, I still can't relate with Jacob. If I, if I do have a son in my old age, you know, will I be the same way? You know, and then Tommy and Jason will be like out of the house and, you know, hating on the, I don't, I don't think they do that. But anyway, it says in verse four, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him <clears throat> more than all his brethren, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Have your kids ever gotten where they just can't speak peaceably to each other? Listen, sibling problems have been going on forever. They just, they can't say anything nice to each other. This is always bad. It's always a stressful thing. And, and I do, I, I, I don't think it's good to have a favorite kid. And that, that was a lot of the problem here. So verse five says, and Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, here, I pray you this dream, which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And so, uh, you know, this dream that Joseph had, I mean, it's pretty obvious what it represents. 
you know, when you stop and look at it. And we all know that it was prophetic, wasn't it? This was a prophetic dream that Joseph had. And, uh, and understand too, back then, you know, you did have his father Jacob who had a dream and visions and Abraham had the same thing. So these guys knew about dreams and visions and how special they were and how important they were. And that probably made them jealous too when Joseph is just saying, I had these visions. Cause you know, what, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say the Lord can't reveal something to somebody, but I'm not into all these visions and dreams and things like that. But you know what? If somebody in the church came in and was like, you know what? The Lord gave me a dream. It was prophetic. We will immediately hate them. Okay. One, cause, you know, we're going to say it's because we think they're a false prophet and it's a fake dream and you're a phony. But we would really hate them if they didn't. It came to pass. All right. Now, why would we hate that so much? You know why? Because how come we didn't have one? You know, why did God give him a vision and not me? I mean, I'm the pastor of the church. If somebody's going to have a ha- some prophetic dream, shouldn't the Lord give it to me? You know, so, I mean, that's the way I feel about it. But, you know, but uh, I think so. I think that is what fueled a lot of the hostility. And so then when. They're, you know, he, uh, they're all given obeisance to Joseph. Understand these guys come from a line where once, you know, um, when it came to, uh, their father, there was Isaac and Jacob, but Jacob was over Isaac, wasn't he? And, or, uh, Esau, I'm sorry. And then same thing with their grandfather, Isaac. He was over Ishmael. And now they're in a situation where there's, you know, there's 12 of them. And Joseph, who's number 11, is basically talking about this prophetic dream as if he's going to be the next chosen one. You know, the one of great importance. And so this dream would have infuriated these guys and I, I, and made them jealous because I think they, they feared that there was some legitimacy to it. And we know that there was. And so, um, you know, and the, you know, just kind of back to real life. You know, what's one thing that children often fight about? Okay, I know, I know we did this growing up. I know my kids have done the same thing. I hope my kids don't tell them to do it. But how many of your kids have ever uh, tattled on another child for what they they were thinking? All right, has anybody else's kids ever done that? You know, like mom. You know, Allie thinks that you know she gets to go with you to town, but she's not going to meet with me to town. But she's saying she is. She thinks she is. You know, and they'll, they, my kids have done it so many times. They, you know, they think this. And I always tell them, well, their thoughts don't shape reality. You know, who cares what they think? It, it doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. But it's just like, you know, please spank that thought out of their head, mom and dad. You know, it just drives them crazy. And it's like, and I just tell them, you need to get over it. <laughs> you know, you just need to deal with it. You know, they, you know, Abby thinks she's your favorite. Okay. My, our kids have yelled at that. You know, they've you know, gotten mad about that before. Abby thinks she's your favorite dad. You know, well, what Abby thinks doesn't shape reality. But it's like, how dare she think that? You know, and kid stuff, right? Kid stuff. And, you know, some people never grow up. And these guys are like grown men. Okay? Understand, Joseph's 17, and he's much younger than his brothers. So this is like grown men doing this kid stuff. It's pretty bad. And bad thing, when, when adults act like kids... I think about preaching a sermon about just, you know, full grown children or adult children. 
because I'm telling you, man, this millennial generation, they are not growing up. They are not becoming adults. It, and they are, we're seeing 30 year old teenagers out there today and it's disturbing. It is disturbing. I need to preach about that sometime. It's a good, good message for another day. But anyway, but yeah, they didn't think, they didn't like it that Joseph thought he would reign over them. And especially because of the fact it was based off a dream. And so verse nine says, and he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, behold, I have dreamed a dream more and behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So this happens again. So not only does he have one dream, but again, that would make us all jealous. I, I promise we would all get mad at anybody in the church that said they had a dream and a vision. And, and chances are, it's probably baloney, but we'd probably be more mad if it turned out to be true because we'd all be jealous. Now it's happened twice with Joseph, and this is in a time and in a family where that kind of thing had been happening. Okay, We would think it was super weird and be very skeptical because we just don't see that kind of thing happening much, but back then it did. So these guys lost it, but his and the father, he rebuked him, but then it says that he observed the saying, but it's like he paid attention. You know, he... He listened to what he had to say and, you know, might have wondered, well, you know, maybe there's something to it, which probably enraged the brothers. Thinking our father does love him more than he loves the rest of us. Our father might make him leader over the rest of us. And I think that scared these guys to death. They hated seeing someone advance above them. That's That was their greatest fear. And so... Uh, you know, his father thought, you know, might have thought that it could have been from the Lord. So it says in verse 12, and his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, here am I. And he said to him, go, I pray thee and see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron and he came to Shechem and a certain man found him. And behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Now, this is my opinion here, but I personally think that one of the reasons they were so mad at this point is because they probably weren't supposed to be in Dothan because Joseph was expecting him to find him one place and they're not there. He's wandering around and somebody sees him and is like, hey, they're, they're over here. And so all of a sudden they see him coming and in their minds they're thinking, he's going to go tattled father again. And they already hated him. But they're thinking, you know, we don't want anything else. And, and again, too, you know, the his I, I forgot to talk about how his father had made him that coat of many colors. You know, he gives him this special coat that you know, may have had some kind of meaning to it. I mean, if anything, it just showed how much he loved him. And so I think in their minds, they probably saw Joseph as kind of being the chosen one uh, in that line. But anyway, so it says, and they said one another, Behold, the dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. His dream won't come to pass if we kill him. 
That's what they're thinking in their mind. And so this, you know, what we see going on here is completely motivated by hate. You know, this, this isn't even self-preservation. This is hatred is what we see going on here. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver them to deliver him to his father again. So Reuben's thinking, you know, he actually was going to try to help him escape. But then it says, And it came to pass, when Joseph was come to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And so first thing they did, you know, if they couldn't have a coat like that, Joseph shouldn't have it either. You know, and do it. Go buy something for your kid and don't do it. But, you know, if, if on the way home tonight, you, you stop at Dairy Queen and, you know, hey, we're going to buy an ice cream cone, you know, for Chloe and then nothing for everybody else. I mean, if my kids took a vote, they would vote that nobody got an ice cream for Chloe only gets an ice cream. And you, you don't do stuff like that, okay? Don't do that to try to teach them some lesson and not to be like Joseph's brother. If you do that, you'll probably inspire them to be like Joseph's brother. Brothers, all right. But I, I think they enjoyed getting to rip at this coat of many colors because of, of what it meant. And so um, it says in verse 24, and they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold, a company of the Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. So they were decent you know, enough that they struggled with the idea of actually killing him. All right, like we got him in the pit, but you know, who's gonna who's gonna actually kill him? You know, and I can't even I can't imagine, you know, killing anybody, but especially your brother. You know, and uh, you know, there were days I got very mad at my sisters growing up, but I never wanted to kill any of them. I might have wanted to pull their hair or something like that, but I never, I never wanted to physically kill any of my sisters. That's that's pretty bad. And so they were, you know, they're decent enough. They struggled with that, but they were also dirty enough to just sell him to get him out of their sight. They just hated him so much they didn't want to see him ever again. And so it says they're passed by the Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned into the pit. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes. And that's probably when he was going to go let him out. And it says, and they took Joseph's coat. Uh, or in verse 30, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors. And they brought it to their father and said, this have we found, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, Is my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his sons many days. And you know what? I personally believe this is some of Jacob's deception coming back to haunt him. You know, that, that's just what I, I believe. He was a deceptive person and he raised deceptive sons. And this was a dirty trick. I think this is worse than anything he ever did. And just mark it down, parents. You know, you, you reap what you sow, and you usually get more than you reaped. Or you get more than you sowed, I'm sorry. You get more than you sowed. That's the way it usually goes. So verse 35, and all his sons 
And all his daughters rose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and the captain of the guard. And so this is, uh, you know, again, this is a very, very well-known story. You know, I think, you know, anybody who went to Sunday school for any length of time, they know the story and we know what ends up happening, you know, after that. But what's interesting about this story is because it does, it, it leaves a lot of questions. You know, we all wonder what the home life was like, you know, when it comes to, uh, Joseph and his brethren, what their day-to-day life was like, you know, what exactly happened with the evil report? Why did it throw that story in there? You know, and it's probably laying some groundwork, just showing why there was the hostility and everything. But I personally believe, too, that there's something prophetic that we're seeing in this story, something that was going to come to pass, because I do believe that Joseph is a great representation of Jesus. And specifically, I believe in this story, we see, we're seeing a story of, uh, Joseph or the Jesus and the jealousy of the Jews. The one thing that we we're gonna we see in the life of Jesus is that the Jews hated him for all the reasons that Joseph's brothers hated him. And so let's just look at a few things. We're not gonna go to all these places in the New Testament because these are all very very familiar things. But let's look back at a few verses in here and see if they remind us of anything. Uh, in particular, when we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels. And so notice in verse 2, it's the first thing we see. It says, these are the uh, generation of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad is with the sons of Bilhah, with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto the, his father their evil report. You know what? Jesus brought an evil report on the Jews, didn't he? Whenever Jesus went and he's preaching to the Jews... He preached pretty hard against them. He told them they were of their father, the devil. He's saying, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He is letting them have it because these Jews who thought they were really good, who thought they you know, were going to make it into heaven because of their keeping of the law and because of all these things that they had done, Jesus shows up and he tells them, hey, you're a generation of vipers. That's not what they wanted to hear. The, you know, Joseph's brothers didn't like the fact that they got told on to their father. And the truth is, Jesus Christ, he came to this earth in the name of the father. Joseph, when he was going to his brothers, he was being sent out by his father to see what's going on. He was being commissioned by his father. And so when Joseph gives that evil report, you know, that's kind of a picture of Jesus's report that he brought back to God. And you know what that report at what God's response was to that? They are not acceptable. And you know what? Thankfully, God didn't wipe them out, but he had Jesus be the sacrifice for them. Thank God for that. But the Jews did need to acknowledge the fact that they were sinners and that Jesus Christ was the sacrifice for sins. And if they would, they would be saved. They would be born again. But if they don't, they are in trouble. And so I think that's a picture when we see this. I think God threw that little detail on there because this is exactly what Jesus did when he was on earth to the Jews. He brought an evil report. They were so impressed with themselves. John the Baptist did the same thing. You know, he looked at them and he said, you know, you generation of vipers. And then he said, um, he told them, say not within yourself. We have Abraham as our father. God is able to be stones 
to raise up children unto Abraham. Why did he bring that up? Because these guys thought because of just who they were, where they descended from, their keeping of the law, that that gave them some special standing with God, and it didn't. Because they were too sinful. They were too wicked. And they couldn't see themselves as wicked. You know what they did, though? They hated Jesus, the guy who told the truth. That's exactly what they did. And you know what? Joseph's brethren, they should have acknowledged the fact that we were wrong. They should have acknowledged the fact that, you know what? Let's not get mad at Joseph. He was sent here by our father. But you know what? They didn't want to admit we hate our father, you know, you know, because that sounds really bad. And the Jews weren't going to admit, no, we hate God. But in reality, when they rejected Jesus Christ, they rejected the Father, didn't they? And you know what Joseph could have said when he went there? We don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't tell us. Okay? But if I may speculate as to something that could have happened, maybe when Joseph showed up and he saw those guys, what they were doing wrong, he might have said something to him about it. Hey, our Father told you guys not to do this type of thing. You are not following the instruction of your Father. You guys are in trouble. Okay, and, you know, how do our kids respond, you know, when we send them with messages sometimes? You know, hey, mom said you have to go clean up your room. And then, and when I was a kid, you know, I would make it sound like it was my command. You know, I'd be like, hey, mom said you had to clean up your room, now do it now. You know, I would add that part in. And, and then they wouldn't want to do it. So they felt like they were, you know, because then it looked like they were listening to me. And so, and they do that stuff to me too. Uh, I, I probably inspired it. But, you know, and then hopefully they would get mad and then they wouldn't do it. And then I can go tattle on them. Hey, I told them <laughs> you said and they didn't do it. That's terrible. I shouldn't give my kids ideas. But, um, you know, but anyway, they probably, you know, they might have said something like that. Just, you know, who are you to tell us this? You're not our father. You know what he could have said? But I'm here on behalf of my father. Therefore, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's what he could have said right there. That's what Jesus was saying to the Jews when he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, Jesus wasn't claiming, I am God the Father, but he's claiming, I'm here on behalf of the Father. I am his messenger. I am the one that he sent. Okay? That's why that's so dumb to use that passage to teach oneness. Okay? That, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a foolish interpretation of that verse when you look at the context and what was going on. Joseph could have said the same thing. And he might have. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I like to think that he might have. So Joseph brought an evil report uh, on his brothers. Jesus brought an evil report on the Jews. We see that God accepted Jesus, but he rejected the Jews. You know, God said on the Mount of Transfiguration, God said at the baptism of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But God didn't think that way about the Jews. God wasn't pleased with their sacrifices and with their works and the things that they brought. God refused. God rejected the works of the Jews. But God accepted the work of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did on the cross was acceptable to God. That blood sacrifice of Jesus' own blood, it was acceptable to God the same way Abel's blood sacrifice was acceptable to God, where Cain's offering was not. And the Jews, they were trying to present themselves as this wonderful, holy thing. They were trying to present their good works to God as if that was something that should be acceptable. And God rejected what the Jews had, just like God rejected Cain. And what did Cain do? When he was rejected, 
he killed his brother. What did Joseph's brethren do? They didn't, they tried to kill him or they were going to kill him, but they ended up selling him just to get him out of their sight. And there's no doubt that's a picture of what happened with Jesus. The Jews wanted Jesus out of there because they were jealous of him because Jesus was accepted by God while they were not. And the truth is, if they would have just put their faith and trust in Christ, they could have become accepted through faith in Jesus Christ. But, you know, the thing is, God does not accept the works of any man other than that one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. So another reason or another thing we see here is that the Jews, they hated Jesus even more because of what he taught about himself. So remember in these and in verses 5 through 11, we see those dreams that Joseph had, where they're bowing before him. One thing that got the Jews crazy is the things that Jesus said about himself. You know, the fact that, you know, he said, I am my father, are one. The, he, the fact that he was calling God his father, the fact that he was saying he was sent there on behalf of the father, because of the fact that God the father said, this is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased, because of the fact that Joseph, or Jesus is doing miracles, while the Jews, none of them had the ability to do miracles. Here, here this guy is that's calling them out for their wickedness, and they want to find some way to you know, claim that he's evil and to have something against them, but they can't. And then on top of it, he's doing all these wonderful works. I mean, who doesn't want the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead? And this man that they hated is doing that. And it just, it got, it made him crazy. It made the Jews literally crazy. And they did. They, I mean, tried to trip him up in his words. They tried to set traps for him, whatever they could do so they could accuse him and get him in trouble, and have him killed. And so, uh, Joseph's brothers already hated him, we see in Genesis 37, we're not going to read it again, but they hated him more after he told them the dreams. And the Jews hated Jesus right from the start, but they hated him more as he started making some of the claims that he made later in the New Testament. I mean, uh, one time, when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, they were ready to stone him. At that point, because they hated him. But then again, if he's right, we're going to have to bow before this man that we hate. And that made him crazy, just like Joseph's brothers got crazy when he's talking about a prophetic dream that he had where they're all bowing before him. They couldn't stand the thought of that. There's no doubt this is just a, a foreshadowing of what was to come between Jesus and the Jews. So, uh, verse 18 of Genesis 37, it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired again to slay him. What do we see in the New Testament? We see the Jews conspiring to kill Jesus. I mean, we, we see it in the Gospels. Jesus would do something. They didn't like it. And they did. They sought occasion to kill him. And it's like, he's not doing anything worthy of death, you know, so let's see if we can't, let's see if we can't trick him into saying it's not lawful to give tribute to Caesar. Let's see if we can't trick him into saying that, you know, we shouldn't uh, follow the law and stone an adulteress. You know, they're doing all these things. What are they doing? They were tempting him, trying to set him up. Why? It was purely out of hate. And they conspired, wanting to kill him. And then they finally, 
succeeded in being able to do it. You know, they finally got it done. And so then another thing we see in verse 28, it says, Then there passed by the Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought it into Egypt. Now, this passage has drove Bible scholars crazy for years because it's like, why wasn't 30 pieces of silver? I mean, this is clearly a picture of Jesus being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, is it not? You know, so it's like, why was it 20 versus 30? You know, and so it's like, it's got to be that. So what people, what the scholars have assumed, inflation. You know, <laughs> inflation, you know, uh, uh, you know, and you know, there could be some to that. Maybe in Joseph's day, the pieces of silver were bigger, you know, and, and, you know, either way, it doesn't have to be the same. But boy, you can't look at this passage and not think of Jesus that I mean, they did it. They but but here's the thing, too. Was the 30 pieces of silver the main motivation for the Jews or for even Judas? So much. I do think Judas was greedy, but you know, it just—he was evil. Okay, he was evil. You know, he, Satan was indwelling him, and you know, and what he did, it was kind of on behalf of the Jews, I, I believe. But at the same time, you know, Joseph's brethren—I don't think they were that interested in the twenty pieces of silver. That was just a bonus for getting rid of Joseph. That was the real motivation there. But there's no way you can, you know, to deny that uh, there's not something to that there. And so then. Another thing we see is that while Joseph didn't die, you know, in the story, he was out of their sight, which is what they wanted. Okay. He was, you know, and, and, the, you know, that, that was their main thing. We want him out of our sight. Now understand too, when it comes to things like this, you know, every typology thing like this, you know, it all breaks down somewhere. You can take it too far, you know, and just, and just go overboard and go crazy with it. And, and you should never, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, you should never base your doctrine off typology. Okay? But if a story and a typology lines up with Bible doctrine in the New Testament, then, you know, I think it's okay, appropriate to preach that. I think it's appropriate to talk about that as long as it doesn't contradict clear scripture and we shouldn't use those things to form our doctrine. But so think about this. Joseph's brethren succeeded in getting him out of their sight. Okay, the Jews were successful in killing Jesus, but Joseph's brethren ended up seeing him again, didn't they? They ended up bowing before his feet, didn't they? And you know what? The Jews thought if we kill Jesus, these things he's talking about will never come to pass. But guess what? Those things are going to come to pass. One of these days, Jesus is going to show up again, you know, after a famine, you know, you know, after, you know, after the tribulation, I mean, it, you know, said, don't use that story as proof of anything on end times. But you know what? When I'm reading this story here and I'm seeing here, they did. They succeeded in getting rid of Joseph. That's how this chapter ends. But later on in the book, they see him again and they're scared this time. And you know what? One of these days, Jesus is going to come back and, you know, it's not going to be pretty. They're going to be scared like. We're in trouble. Uh, that's what, that, you know, that's, and, and, you know, if I was a dispensationist, I could use that and say, and you know what? Joseph didn't do anything to his brother. God's not going to do anything to the Jews. Well, here's the problem with that. The Bible says he's going to. You know, he said, you know, bring those that would not that I should reign over them and slay them before me. So while that's a great picture 
if you're a Zionist or dispensationalist, that's a great picture. That, that makes sense. But the problem is we got a clear verse that says something completely different. So we're going to stop it there. All right. We're going to stop it where it starts to contradict the scriptures. And so uh, that's an important thing that you need to understand right there. So we have that picture. But then briefly, let me show you one more thing that this picture is. This is also a picture about how the Jews are jealous of Christians. Look at Romans chapter 10. Now understand jealousy, it, you know, jealousy is not always a bad thing. You know, it's okay to be jealous over your wife. You know, Paul was jealous over the uh, Corinthian church. God, whose name is jealous. Okay. Jealousy is not always a sin. If something belongs to you, you know, like your wife, you know, you're, you have a right to be jealous over that. Okay. But often, there's things that we think belong to us that don't, and we get jealous over those things. And, you know, Joseph's brethren, they thought that, you know, they deserve the top spot or whatever versus Joseph, so they were jealous over him. The Jews, they thought that, you know, they had some kind of claim on God uh, when it came to them as a people. And later on, when God started working amongst the Gentiles, they hated that. They were jealous because they thought that what the Christians were getting belonged to them. And the truth is, you know, it didn't. So their jealousy was a sin. If you're jealous over something that's not yours, then you are in sin at that point. But if it's something that's yours, it's not a sin. But look what it says in Romans 10, 19. It says, but I say, did not Israel know, first Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto disobedient and gainsaying people. And one of the things, the reasons that the Jews went on to hate the Christians so much is because after the death of Jesus and then after Pentecost, God poured his spirit out on the Christians. And now Jesus' disciples who are preaching Jesus, the man that they hated, they're now doing miracles. They're doing all, all these. It was clear that God was with them. It's clear that God was favoring the Christians, the believers, and some of them were Jews. But even with Gentiles, God was favoring them over the Jews. And the Jews, they felt like we have. You know, that, that's our right. That's our birthright. That belongs to us. But no, sorry, Jesus brought an evil report on those of you who are of the law. He wants those who are of faith, and that happens to be Jews and Gentiles alike. They're receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, not you. And they hated that. And you know what they did? They did the same thing that Cain did to Abel. They did the same thing that Joseph's brothers did to him. They did the same thing that they did to Jesus. You know what they did? They started trying to persecute and trying to kill the Christians. What was that motivated by? Jealousy. They were jealous of what God was doing. And so, I mean, we this chapter is, there's no doubt, it's prophetic. There's no doubt about it. It's just one of the amazing things. And to think that the, the Jews who did all these things, who fulfilled all these prophecies, they had this chapter, didn't they? They had the book of Genesis. They were very familiar with Genesis chapter 37, and they didn't even, they didn't, they never learned from what their forefathers did wrong. And they went and did 
the exact same thing. What a sad thing that is. But Joseph is definitely one of the greatest examples we have in the Bible. Again, I can't think of it. I can't think of anything negative that the Bible has to say about Joseph. But uh, as we go through this book, we're going to continue to see examples like that of just areas where you know Joseph was just a great picture of Christ. What an amazing man he was, and in the type of family they had. We've been talking a lot about how bad his family was, and yet in in a wicked family like that, Joseph turned out great. And I think that's interesting too. Because Jesus was born in the tribe of Judah. Jesus, Jesus was born among the children of Israel. And you know what? He, he was perfect, wasn't he? he? He was perfect. And I know Joseph wasn't without sin. Uh, in fact, um, when it came to this kind of this birthright that we're following, all right, I personally believe that Judah got it. We'll talk about that later. And... You, know, you think, well, why didn't Joseph get it? There's actually a reason Joseph didn't get it. And uh, we'll talk about that in a future week. But at the same time, I, I still don't think that necessarily means anything uh, negative about Joseph. You know, he, There's no doubt he was a great man, and we ought to do what we can to follow his example. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word and just the amazing book it is, Lord. It, just, it truly amazes me, stories like this and just how clearly prophetic they are. It just is a reminder of just how real this book is and that there's just no doubt it's your word. No man could ever come up with something like this. Uh, this is something that could only be done by an holy God. And we thank you for uh, miraculously preserving this book for us that we can just look, look at and just be in awe over. Lord, just something physically that is in our hands that can just uh, blow us away, dear God. We thank you for uh, your word and the great lessons. In your name we pray. Amen.